Welcome back to Give Me Some Truth. Uh, I am Nate. Mitch is in the booth as well with me. We call it a booth, but really it's the conference room more than a. It's like quite an open concept, booth. really. Danny tells us the sound quality is okay, though, so we run with it. Yeah. You know, I mean, hopefully you as a listener agree that we sound okay, but right. we're doing our best here. Well, I mean, nobody sounds as good as Danny. He's got the radio voice. He's got like That's the, true. The, the Rick D's. Is your mic wow. active right now? Oh, it is. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. We need to hear See, that but, voice. But it means it's not that, like when he's just talking like right now, it's he doesn't have it. But when he closes out the podcast, wait until this one when he closes it out and, oh, and tells people where to find the podcast and stuff. It's like it's like a different person walked into the booth. It's crazy. Or if you're close to Google, you can try to search what Sun Prairie Baseball, Dan, might I don't be. Soccer, I don't know. Soccer? Out there. soccer? Yeah, Madison I mean, Forward. Everywhere. I don't know if Google can find those. Are those uh, pretty I was hard at to the come by? Wisconsin women's hockey game on Saturday. Okay. You can search Twitter or Instagram for my voice. Calling that game? Yeah, but it was zero zero tie, so it was kind of a bummer for me. Wow. You, you didn't get to do the 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 long pronounced goal no. call. Uh, they had a goal in the shootout, but it's just not the same. Yeah, right. When you know it's going to happen. Right. You know, right? Could you give us a goal call right no, now? No, absolutely that- not. No, <laughs> <laughs> I got to be on the clock for that. And I'm not. So <laughs> I would already, like to hear lost, that someday. We've we've lost fifty percent of the listenership in the first <laughs> minute and forty two. So. Uh, All right, back to it. So Mitch and I are here to talk about, uh, well, for the, the idea was to talk about kind of year-end tax-related uh, items, but it's a little bit more of just kind of year-end housekeeping. We'll refer to it as year-end financial things to think about uh, to make sure that you do not have regret as you close out the year of 2021. Uh, so these are kind of more, I guess we'll call them quick hitters, if you will, uh, things that we just want people to know and think about so that... Uh, when the clock flips uh, on the 31st of December uh, into 2022, we don't look back and go, ah, shoot, we should have done X, Y, and or Z. So uh, Mitch, kick us off. What is the first thing that we want people to keep in mind? Well, we don't necessarily have these in order. These are literally just things that Nate and I were brainstorming and jotted down, and we're going to kick it off with the HSA. Yes. So the HSA is a health savings account. And as a reminder, you need to be in a high deductible health plan in order to have an HSA, but they are one of the most tax-friendly vehicles that there is. A lot of times people say that they are triple tax advantaged. I, I think it's like two and a half. I don't, I, I mean, I think they stretch like two of them together, but yeah, I mean, it's, I, it, it's. Well, you get the, the, the off the top contribution, right? Deduction. Yep. Right off the top. And then you get tax deferred. Which this is where it's kind of like, you know, tax deferred, but also tax free. And that's where I think you're yeah, saying. Yeah, right, right, right. They combine that. That might be, a, a, you know, 2.5. Right. But I, I hear triple tax advantage and it sounds better. So we'll go with that because if you use yeah. it for medical costs, you know, it can be fully tax free at that point. So Yeah. And this, uh, a, a, a shameless promotional plug for myself, uh, a forthcoming blog post uh, will be written about HSAs. So be be on the lookout for that. Ooh, am I stealing some of your blog? Uh, a little right bit. Now? It's okay. You didn't Shoot. go too far. I was going to, I was going to jump on it if you went too far, but in, in your blog, are you going to use two and a half or three for the, the amount of tax advantageous? I'll probably say three because that's what everybody says. And I don't want to muddy the water just of my own, you know, idealistic view of the world, but I, I don't fully believe that it's three. I think it's two <laughs> and a half, but that's okay. So, so how um, does this relate to, you know, this year end discussion, right? Right. So how it relates is you have to have your contributions completed by the 31st of December. So, and the reason why we're going through this in, in specific detail is that 
uh, many listeners know, but maybe not all know, that some of these deadlines uh, stretch into the new year. So if we're talking about Roth IRA contributions, for example, you have until April well, I was going to say April 15th, but that's not even right anymore. It's tax day. Tax deadline. Because there's a national holiday that falls in there. Danny, help me out with that national holiday around April 15th. Can you, can you look that up for us and tell yes. me there's a there's a holiday that runs into it, which sometimes pushes tax day to like the 17th or... Or is it just the weekend? Like, no, I'm all but positive that there's a national holiday that falls in there. Um and so we want to make sure that people are aware of the things that are, in fact, December 31 deadlines, um, as those uh, can get confused sometimes with the deadlines of, of tax day. So the contributions to your HSA, should you have one, and Mitch is right, there are qualifications, so not everybody can sign up for an HSA. But if you are eligible and you do have an HSA account, uh, December 31 is your uh, cutoff. Danny? A little, little known holiday, Easter. What? Yeah, that's no. There's yeah, like a, no. It's in, Easter Sunday is uh, the seventeenth of April this year. But there's another really? one in yeah. there. Like I'm almost positive there's another one that falls Easter Monday. Maybe the fourteenth of, of April. That sounds really early for it's, Easter, doesn't it? Does seem. Wait, right. when is it? April seventeenth is when Easter is this year. Yeah, I'm trusting like usually, Dan. Though. Dan's pretty yeah. solid on these things. So. Okay. I'm, just, I'm just resorting to Google. Google Calendar. I mean, Google does. Don't sell yourself short, Danny. This, these, this is your knowledge. This is straight out of the the, the genius that is, uh, and Dan's computer, I suppose, too. And while Anyways. you're looking that up, Dan, too, by the way, we'll also sprinkle some, not only just year and stuff, but what's to come in 2022, for yes. example, because some right. of these limits will change. And whether we're talking 401ks on the retirement plan side or HSA, like we mentioned, you're getting a little bit of an increase in 2022 for your HSA contributions. Can we get a drum roll, please, for the amount of? Do you have a drum roll? No, oh, man. We should get some. Oh. I, we, uh, yeah, we should get some sound yeah. effects in here just so that we can spice this up a so little bit. 2021 currently is for individual coverage is 3,600, and then for family coverage it's 7,200. But in 2022. Dan, how much do you think the HSA contribution limit is increasing next year for individual? Let's say so. It's th currently thirty six hundred. What do you think it goes up to? Fifty four. Ooh, that's aggressive. Oh. Fifty dollar increase. Oh, geez. we are getting an extra fifty dollars. <laughs> the IRS is feeling generous this year. Yeah, I was saying thirty six fifty. So then, if you you know apply it to the family, that's seventy three hundred for family coverage for twenty twenty two. Yes, and so just a few things. About that, again, the reason why we want people to look at maxing out their HSAs if possible, um, it is not like an FSA in that you do not have to use the money by the end of the year. You can build up these balances. The money can actually be invested. Um, so they're pretty cool products, uh, accounts, I should say, not products. Um, so again, if you're eligible and you uh, want more information, let us know and we'll talk you through it. Otherwise, uh, just be aware that those limits are December 31 limits. So if you want to complete your limit by the end of the year, make sure that you do that. On to the next topic. Uh, I, I, this is a little jargon. You need to bear with us on this in the industry, but it's called tax loss harvesting. Um, essentially what it is, is it's a, um, we'll call it a financial planning um, method, if you will, for trying to make somebody's taxable account a little bit more friendly uh, for that year. And essentially what we do as advisors is we look at the portfolio that a client has and then determine if there's some things that we can sell that maybe didn't do as well that year so that we can offset any gains that they had that year against losses in that year. 
Exactly. So there's this thing called the netting process. So when you're looking at short-term gains and losses, let's say those short-term gains can offset or short-term losses, I should say, can offset some short-term gains and then same on the long-term side. And and long-term is simply defined as if you hold that security or stock, I'll say, for longer than a year. So on the long-term side, long-term gains, offset long-term losses, and then you therefore take those two numbers essentially and net them against each other. So when it's all said and done, you, you might have a loss after that process is, is figured out. You might have a gain. Of course, if there's gain, there's going to be some sort of associated tax to it, whether it's short-term or long-term. But losses, from a tax perspective, they aren't bad. So yeah, in any given year, you can actually right. take $3,000 worth of, of gains to offset ordinary income, for example. And right. if you're in a high ordinary income tax bracket, there can be some real tax dollars saved there. Now, it, don't get me wrong. It has to make sense in your account and right. in your allocation, risk and goals and all those things that we talk about with our clients all the time, right? So you don't want to just willy-nilly be selling stuff necessarily. There needs to be a purpose and it needs to be strategic. Right. So that's something that I just want to throw out there that, you know, you don't always want to just sell something at a loss just to sell it at a loss because if you truly believe that you're long on that particular position, you think it's going to grow, it, it has a place for, as a long-term holding, then yep. I don't know, you know, but that's where tax loss harvesting might come in because you could sub it out for something else. Do you want to talk about that a little bit, Nate? Yeah, and we want to be careful not to get lost in the weeds on this because this can get a little bit um, kind of specific and, and, and dry as far as uh, the <laughs> listeners are concerned. But essentially what we're attempting to do here is make your, when you have a taxable account, you get a 1099 or your tax kind of um, reporting document sent to you. And we're trying to make that as friendly as possible. And so tax loss harvesting simply allows us to be able to do that. So if you go back to the example that Mitch gave, very simple example, if you had a thousand dollars of long-term gains in your portfolio and you sold something else that had a thousand dollar long-term loss, those would net out and uh, it makes your tax situation friendlier. So well, the, the long and short of it is, uh, if you have an advisor, make sure your advisor is taking those things into consideration. Uh, if you are attempting uh, management of your assets on your own uh, and you're not familiar with tax loss harvesting, may be a good um, reason to speak to an advisor uh, or at least do some research and kind of get a better feel for what that looks like. But that's uh, something that we tend to do for our clients on their behalf, but it's always a good idea to uh, talk to your advisor if you're not sure if that's happening. So uh, on to required minimum distributions. This uh, this took a hiatus in uh, in twenty twenty uh, because of COVID. Yeah, if if it were to be released in a press statement, and I think of Michael Jordan, just two words: "I'm back." Yeah, right. So our knees are back. That's old school, Mitch. That yeah. is, that's an old school reference to Jordan. Yeah, back to the nineties. The Jordan "I'm back" press conference. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Danny, I mean, do you remember that? You're too young for that, right? I don't remember the press conference, but I remember watching it on. It's pretty cool. The, well, I think uh, it was just a press release. Yeah, right? yeah just it was just a press release. Yeah, you know, just I'm his back. media guy, yeah. whoever that was, just said, "Here you go." That's when he switched to I'm number back. 45. Yeah. How long did that last? A year? Not even? 45. Yeah. I think he had 45 when he played for the Wizards. Because remember, he went and played for the Wizards after the Bulls. I do remember that? But yeah, I thought he was 23 in the Wizards. Uh, maybe I could be wrong on that. I, so I don't know how long the 45 lasted, but I, I, uh, yeah. I'm not sure if you carried that onto the wizards or not, but, okay. so um, RMDs are back. That's, that's the, what I was trying to get at here. Yes. So RMDs were, were waived with 2020, you know, the COVID year, right? So there's a lot of different relief in many different areas. 
And one of them was, hey, RMDs, basically, we're not going to force you to take an RMD in 2020. Right. And all that meant was that, well, you can actually keep your money in your IRA or tax deferred retirement account. And therefore, by keeping it in there, you can continue that tax deferment. You yep. don't actually take it out and then it's recognized as, as income from a tax perspective. So RMDs are back. They must be taken this year in 2021. And the other thing to, to be on the lookout when it, when it comes to if you're over age 72 and just taking your own RMD, for example, it's, it's still relatively straightforward there. Now, granted, we still help with the calculation and send our clients the money that they need and do the applicable withholding for taxes. But still not all that long ago, Secure Act changed how inherited IRAs and 401ks are treated. So since January 1st of 2020, if you have inherited one of those tax deferred types of accounts, have a conversation with us, with right. your advisor. It gets a lot more complex when it comes to the rules around when you have to take RMDs and in what period of time, et cetera. So have that conversation. Yeah, and it's an easy one to overlook. The other one on this topic that often gets overlooked is somebody kind of forgets about an IRA that they have at you know a, a different institution or one that kind of was more of like a legacy account, if you will, that they've had for a long time. Remember that the IRA is not the uh, excuse me, the IRA is not the actual investment; it's the type of account. So you might even have like an IRA savings account somewhere or CD at a bank or credit union. All of that has to be taken into consideration when we do our distribution. So the penalty is pretty steep if you don't take it out. Steep. So you let you know just be aware. And again, same idea on this one. Talk to your advisor uh, if you have questions or if you want some help. Um, Michael and, Jordan. Yeah. Wore forty five for one year, ninety four ninety five, and then he wore twenty three with the Wizards both years. Interesting. Okay. I'm fact checking live here for you guys. So forty five yeah. for one year with the Bulls, yep. and then they back to twenty three. Twenty three his last three years in Chicago. What's that? He went to twenty three his last three years in Chicago after wearing it for that one year. So, oh, ninety four, ninety five. Oh, interesting. Okay. And then okay. twenty three for three straight years, and then twenty three with the Wizards. Interesting. Right, well, there so go. there you have it. Thank, Thank you, Dan. Yeah. Facts check. <laughs> Uh, 401k limits. This is a, this is a, a good news one. Uh, limits are going up. Yes, they are. So Dan, let's play this fun little game again. So with HSA, we, we had the $50 increase, right? For individual coverage. Now 401k, the current contribution limit. So as an employee participating in a 401k plan, currently 2021, you can put in $19,500 going forward. As an employee participating in a 401k plan, Dan, what do you think in 2022 they will be able to put into their 401k? Well, I know the answer already. So oh, you do? Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Someone sent that out on Slack, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they did. Uh, what, what is the 25? answer? 25? 20,500? Okay, there you go. go. Yeah. 20,500. Yes. Should have clarified. And note on this, the catch-up contribution. When I say catch-up contribution, for those age 50 and older, you can put in an extra amount. That amount is is not increased. So it's only the 19,500 goes up to 20,500. The catch-up contribution of 6,500 stays the same. So said another way, if you're over 50, 27K would be, did I do that math right on, on the top of my head? 27K would be that. the max me, that verify. you can put in 2022 for the age 50 up. And this applies for 403B, 457 for the 
for the increase up to 20,500. So I say 401k, it's easy to talk about 401k a lot, but that limit applies to 403b contributions. And then also your 457 contributions and TSP actually, Fair Savings Plan, federal government employees. So it applies to that group as well. Yeah, I, I believe, yeah, you, uh, you are correct in your math. There we go. Um, okay. So, yeah, and this is important because a lot of people have uh, their 401k contributions uh, somewhat on autopilot, right? So it's just, you know, they, they, they never change it. They don't really think about it. They don't look at it. Just X amount comes out. If you are max funding your 401k, i.e., you know, in 2021, you did the 19500 you would do need to instruct your payroll office, benefits office, whatever it might be, or go online yourself if, that, if you have the ability to do that, to increase it to get the full contribution you choose that you want to do the 20,500. Uh, further on that subject, uh, think about just increasing your limit, excuse me, increasing your contribution if you are not maximum funding your 401k. So let's say you're just putting, you know, whatever a percentage of your, of your pay into your 401k. Think about bumping that for 2022. Uh, it's not required. It's not obviously a, uh, um, you know, something that, that has to be done, but we strongly encourage that people do that actively increase their their contribution limit if possible uh on, a, on an annual basis uh or at least review how much you're putting in so that you have a good understanding of what that is the other thing too is right around this time of year i have a fair amount of clients that have already reached the max for their 401k and some of them just basically say all right 401k is max for the year and then the last two pay periods let's say of the year have a little extra take home because they they can no longer put it in the, the 401k, let's say. Now this, this might change plan by plan, right? Some might have an after-tax option, which could be utilized, but others actually get a little bit more and it could be used towards Christmas presents, for example. Others come to me and say, hey, I maxed out my 401k. I still got two, three, four pay periods left. What else can I be doing? Again, reach out to your advisor, have a conversation. There might be a myriad of things that you could ultimately do with that quote, excess amount of funds. Yeah. And again, that goes back to the idea of just knowing how much you're putting in, knowing where you're at in regard to the limit. And in uh, Mitch's, to Mitch's point, uh, if you're going to max fund your 401k before you get to your last paycheck of the year, understand your paycheck will go up as a result of that. And you maybe have opportunities for that money. Um, hey, maybe you could max out your HSA with that money. Hey, or, that. or have Look you... You know, have you looked at your IRA contributions yet? Again, that you don't have the twelve thirty one deadline with your IRA contributions, but something that's that's part of it as well. Uh, this next one's a little bit. Uh, again, we, we've got to be careful not to get lost in the weeds on this one. But um, mutual funds um, are a little bit unique in that they will distribute gains out of them, even if you didn't sell anything. So again, let's take a basic example. You own ABC Mutual Fund and it's an actively managed mutual fund, and it's in a taxable account, and you didn't buy any more shares that year, and you didn't sell any more shares that year, you are still going to get a tax bill that year, and that tax bill is a result of the buys and sells of the stocks and or bonds or whatever your mutual fund owns within that given year. So this is one that can be very confusing for people and very tricky because they go, wait a minute, I didn't sell any investments, why am I getting a tax bill? And the reason why is because you're correct. You may not have sold anything, but the fund manager and or managers 
did buy and sell investments within that mutual fund throughout the year. And therefore, somebody has to pay tax on that. And as a shareholder of that mutual fund, you will then pay tax on that. This is one of the reasons why our firm believes strongly in ETFs. We're not going to get down the path of good, bad, right, wrong, anything like that. But this is one reason why we believe in ETFs. You have a little bit better control of tax management than you do in a mutual fund. Uh, but be aware that if you do own mutual funds in a taxable account, this is something that you um, might find in your mailbox come uh, early 2022. Correct. And I'll just highlight, Nate already said it, but taxable accounts, right? So if it's in an IRA, yep. tax deferred or a Roth, for example, and the, the tax-free growth side, so to speak, um, it, it isn't going to affect you the way that we're talking about it, right? This is for taxable accounts, trust accounts, for example. Um, be on the lookout for that. And, and we'll also help you be informed about that. If you own still some funds that have had these huge right. embedded gain in them over the years, for example, just I was looking at a Vanguard mutual fund that was a pretty common fund. Over the last four or five years, they've distributed maybe 4%. 5% of, of capital gains, um, 5% of the net asset value. This year, it was like 16 and some change yeah. percent. Right. So it, with uh, the, the market environment that we've had, there, there might be some increased capital gains distributions. We don't need to get in all the weeds, like Nate said, but there is a real tax cost to that. Right. And we'll, we'll, uh, we'll leave you on this and, and thank you for sticking with us. Uh, we realize this isn't the most uh, exciting topic in the world. Uh, but it's important uh, for us to deliver this information nonetheless, because even one of these um, items that you maybe were not aware of or that you you know take to heart and, and uh, act on uh, can be a, a huge, have a huge impact on your overall retirement. So the last thing we'll mention is make sure that you are up to date on your beneficiary designations in your respective retirement accounts, whether it be 401k or IRAs or life insurance or whatever it might be. Um, beneficiary designation is a hugely important topic that does not get enough uh, pub and, uh, and and discussion in the media. Um, whoever is listed as your beneficiary on your accounts is who will receive that money if you are to pass away. Uh, and that is as hard and fast a rule as we almost have in this industry. And even so, if it's an ex-spouse. Even if it's an ex-spouse and that, that kind of, um, how do you want to say it? Cautionary tale, if you will, uh, we have seen that happen where husband and wife, spouse and spouse, um, life partner, whatever it might be, um, list the other as their beneficiary and that relationship breaks up and 10 years, 15, 20 years later, if those beneficiaries haven't been updated, that ex-spouse is the one receiving the money. And so be aware that that is the case. The other thing, and this is even less, gets less publicity or publicity than does beneficiary designations is um, we do not list beneficiaries on our taxable accounts. We can list what's called POA, uh, payable, excuse me, POD, uh, payable upon death. Uh, and that will act in a similar fashion to beneficiary designation. Be sure that you have those listed on your accounts because if something is to happen to you and the money then is kind of in limbo, if you will, that is not the spot that you want your surviving uh, loved ones and, and um, uh, executors to be dealing with. So having re real quick, if you, don't, up. if you don't mind me interjecting, yeah. you also might see, you see POD, that's payable on death, like Nate said. You also might see TOD, transfer on that's death. True. Yep. They're, they're 
effectively doing the same thing. Interchangeable. But yep. TOD, POD, we're talking the same thing for this discussion. Just make sure that for your accounts that have that have a substantial amount of money in them, if you will, maybe maybe it's not crucial on a you know a savings account that has fifty dollars in it. But if you have accounts that have a decent amount of assets, whether it be just your basic checking and savings accounts at your basic uh, bank or credit union, you can list POD or TOD on those accounts as well. And we strongly encourage people to think about that because it makes things significantly easier in the event of somebody passing away. And with that, we will turn it over to Dan so that we can all be, um, what, amazed. Oh, wow. Wow. Radio voice that is Dan at Walkner. A lot of pressure. I don't think I want to do this podcast anymore with you guys. I mean, (laughs) sometimes we have to step up to any... Well, thank you guys for all of this uh, wonderful knowledge. Uh, make sure to check out Nate's blog in the coming days on HSAs. I know I personally am looking forward to it because I am making the switch myself to an HSA. Well, look at you. In 2022. Boy, so, Dan. This was mostly just for, for personal reasons. I wanted to write that <laughs> blog because I needed to know. Um, but you can find all of our previous podcasts on Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, it's been Give Me Some Truth. Walkner Conan Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Registration with the SEC does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The opinions expressed by the participants of this podcast are their own and do not reflect the opinions of Walkner Conan Financial Advisors. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. Thanks for listening, and for further information, please visit walknercondon.com.